Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline and welcome back to the show a guy who willed his way to the National Hockey League. Uh, he is our Oilers Now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome back to the show former NHLer, longtime Washington Capitals color analyst and friend of the show, Alan May. Hello, Al. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just sweating it out down here in Texas. Uh, how warm is it right now in Texas? Well, my my truck says it's 113 degrees uh, where I'm parked right now, but it says it's 102 feels like 110 if wow. you're actually standing outside or pools. Oh, it's 105. It's 105 degrees feels like 111. How long until uh, Elon Musk and uh, X, I mean Twitter, end up moving to Texas? Hasn't everybody else moved out of Texas or moved to Texas these well, days? I, 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 I think he said the other day that he was staying in San Francisco because everyone else is moving away. But then they made him move his X sign off his building, so who knows what will happen. But uh, there's been a lot of big business move to the town that I live in here. Uh, FedEx, Liberty Mutual, Toyota North America, Ford Trucks. Uh, absolutely amazing what it's done for the real estate in the area. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> is that a good thing or bad thing for Al Bay? Well, that's a bad thing. I went to downsize, and it, the downsize became twice as much as what I was getting rid of. So it's just absolutely insane what's going on. So crazy, crazy it's, stuff. It's not like I, I'm not, I'm not going to live here forever, but I'll live in one of these good states that I like. All but, right. Uh, hey, I wanted to tell you, I've been listening to your podcast lately, and yesterday I listened to about 10 of them, and uh, the Ken Lacusta stuff was amazing. Do more of that. Uh, and I can't believe he is 68 years old. That's absolutely, uh, he's done an incredible job of staying young. Very good, very good and very well thought out guy. Yeah, I mean, he was sharp, sharp, sharp. Al, did you, uh, during your developmental days, did you end up hopping up in Old Panther Gym? Did you ever see Ken Lacoste around town? I, you know what? I was really the only guy there when I was going. You know, there there was mention of, you know, that McSorley had been in there a little bit. Uh, Semenko had been in there a little bit. And I originally trained a Daryl Duke. And then a bunch of the guys that used to uh, run the nightclub, Barry Tees, were a very nondescript group of guys <laughs> that could kick anyone's, ass, kick anyone's ass. Bad hair, bad, bad dressers, bad bodies. And the guys were just absolute killers in there. And one of them took me on under his wing and then he brought in a guy that worked with Semenko years before a little five foot three five foot four guy by the name of Dan Ditloff and Ken probably knows who he is uh, he was a kind of a club fighter up and down the United States and in Canada those little uh, tiny club fights that kind of off the books and uh, he taught me a lot of great tricks over the course of time but uh, I was always amazed at seeing Ken Lacoust in there how hard he worked how absolutely ginormous he was and uh he, he had probably the best mullet in edmonton which is probably the home of the best mullets and uh it it, it was pretty it was pretty cool in there because daryl duke had taken me under his wing a long time before and i think that's where john shannon uh he'd come in there and watch me train all the john, time john but short i was just going yeah. 
Yeah. John Short. Yeah, John Short. And I just got, you know, I was just basically in there. It was just another form of my, you know, eight to 10 hour day of conditioning that I'd go in there and do 15 to 30 rounds of training. And, uh, it, you know, it was just, I thought the more I did, the bigger I'd get. But really, I was kind of emaciating myself back then. But it was pretty cool to see when Ken would be in there training for a fight. Uh, it, to me, it was kind of a larger than life guy. Yeah. Well, I did a tremendous, it was funny. The evolution of it was I, went, I go and see, as you know, I go out and visit our clients once in a while and and drew shamahorn from elite he used to have the spruce grove saints and he's been a long time i think 50 plus for at least 40 years now here in town he had kenny there and i love it uh you know al when i don't have to do all the talking after the show and long story short ken was telling stories i'm like i gotta get it this guy's sharp like he's he's he was terrific i mean this guy has been in you know he sparred with mike tyson he's been in the ring with george foreman like it, it doesn't get much better than that so he did a he did an awesome awesome job uh as for barry tease um you know, I, I know several guys that used to bounce at Barry T's. That, I mean, somebody could do an entire movie about that place. Uh, one of the fellows that we used to, John Sexsmith and myself, used to see there in the late 80s and early 90s was a guy, uh, Gord Langley. Okay, and he was huge, and I think he played football in North Dakota. He went, to, and that's Larry Langley's uh, uh, son. Uh, there was three boys. Larry Langley Sr. was a member of the EPS for a number of years. His wife Sandy worked for the Oilers, uh, and uh, Terry Langley uh, was also a police officer for a number of years and was a all-star halfback for the Golden Bears at the U of A. And I remember when uh, I, I went to uh, Kathy. Uh, Kathy Langley, now Kathy Cookson, Jack Cookson's wedding, and Larry Langley said, I've got two sons that are police officers uh, that have guns, and I have one son that doesn't need one, and that was Gordon. He was the bouncer at Barry T's, so uh, there you go. There were lots of those guys. You knew not to screw with those guys throughout the mid to late 1980s at Barry T's. Like, I know John Cordick, God rest his soul, used to go in there, and we used to see different uh, I mean, that that's basically where all the visiting teams went to, Al. Back in the day, wasn't it? After kids back then, you didn't fly immediately following the game. There were all there was two places. There were there was Barry T's, and there was also I think it was called Denny Andrews All Star American Bar. Right, and it, it was it was one or the other for the visiting teams. The, the one in the West End was a long ride to get back to the hotel, but you, it was teams were going to one one or the other. And yeah, the team players did get in a lot of trouble back then when they stayed overnight everywhere. I know I had a lot of mornings when we traveled when I played that I, I wish I would have went right back to my room and just had two beers and a turkey sandwich. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, of course, there was the memorable Goose Looney's incident uh, with the Detroit Red Wings where they decided to go out the night before. I, I think it was before game five against the Oilers and that story got out and it wasn't pretty as well. Uh, our players today, I mean, Al, you, you just said it. You, you basically trained like eight or ten hours and you were cut and shredded as a result of that. This is a completely you know, the, the players the, the, you know, organizations have, I, I brought I brought up the name Chad Drummond the other day to some people and he's the Oilers strength and conditioning coach like, you know, everything that's on the plane and I'm on that plane track like we used to have chocolate bars on the plane 15 years ago. I know I used to eat them. Tom Rennie used to chuck them to me and Jack Michaels. It was a joke in front of the players. There's like it's unbelievable 
I mean, the food you get now, the NHL, it's the never, it's the never hungry league. You get treated incredibly well, but there is, the organizations go out of their way to put the players in the best position to succeed, don't they? Because players are way more disciplined with their off-ice regimen today. I'm not, I don't know if they're tougher, but they're way more disciplined in terms of what they consume today, Al. Well, it's just, it's just everything's easier for them. I know that the Capitals are one of two teams in the league that has everything prepped for them in the arena where they where they play, and they give out a menu, and it's what they want: their food organic, grass fed, pasture raised. Uh, you know, they, they pay a lot to do that, and then you know they do that. The players work out. You know, they've got 40 minutes until the the, the closing buzzer of the game, 40 minutes to be at the bus, unless otherwise stipulated. But a lot of the players also get in a workout. In, in that time and that's something that I never saw I, I saw it at home uh, when I played on the Dallas Stars because they actually had some things to do but all the other teams I played on didn't really have anything I guess the Flames did and you know they were big on riding that bike and they were also big on a lot of injuries as a result of it but uh, you know now you know teams there, there's workout facilities in every single arena if it's an older arena they've got an area still it'll be in a main hallway uh, they've got certain weights that they have to have, foam rollers, bands, you name it. They've got to have every team that stipulated what they need to have for the visiting team coming in. So players get their work in. It's a lot different. Uh, they have the sleep monitors, you name it. And I think one of the things by having all that, uh, you're trying to take away all the excuses, but you're also making and creating more excuses as to why you don't win. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think I'd heard George LaRock on your, on your station talking about, you know, some guys, you know, they're, they're, they're pre warm up for, for a game is, you know, 45 minutes. It's like, I remember seeing, and I'm not going to mention the player's name, but a pretty decent NHL player. Uh, that could put up some numbers, but never as good as his skill level was. And uh, I remember seeing him in uh, the Capitals arena in, in Capital One, and he was going hard for about 45 minutes on the bands and doing all this prep. Prep, and I said, man, if he only worked that hard in the game, maybe he should just quit working out before because you know there, there's way more. I think he was leaving too much on the table before the game. Uh, and, and I know it's a little bit of an old school mentality, but I just thought you know it's just another guy that's just they're just doing too much they get in their own head and then they just the, the thing is they don't work hard and then there there's not enough there to work hard all through oh, it's a game funny and, you mentioned and to that. go three period yeah it's yeah. funny you mentioned that. Uh, I, I believe Taylor Hall is working again with his dad, Steve Hall. And Steve was, uh, as you know, a football player and then an Olympic bobsledder and then a, a personal trainer. And Steve had a theory that you only fire up the engine, the engine four and a half times a day. And I know that there were some old school Oilers who may have been involved in critical roles that didn't love the fact that Taylor didn't like uh, pushing it on morning skates. This was back in like 2010, 2011. And Taylor's like, I got to play 18 minutes tonight. Like, I, I, I don't want to sit there and get bag skated at the end of practice. And I'm not sure he's being bag skated. I mean, I don't know if that occurred on a game day. I'd be very surprised. But the point was, he didn't want to waste. Oh, well, now what we've got is we've got situations today where we got teams that are, they've, they don't do morning skates. There are several teams that have moved away from morning skates on a game day. So that's kind of what you're speaking about, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and there's there's a lot of players that the best part of their career is the morning skate, as far as how they look morning and how glories. hard they work. 
Yeah, and you know, there's you know, oh, he's such a good practice player, but you need to be a good, effective game player, and by whatever means possible, however many minutes you get, if it's eight to twelve, twelve to sixteen, sixteen twenty, twenty to twenty-eight, if you're one of the big guys, you you've got to be able to put out in, in all those different minutes of the game. So I, I think way too many players uh, they they work too hard in the morning skates, and I love guys that work hard. But I want guys that are good in the game and, you know, that, that show up no matter what their minutes are, they're noticeable. And I think there's too many guys that are doing too much. And a lot of times what happens with younger players is they see all the older players doing all this stuff. They came into a training camp, they're flying, and then they end up doing way too much because they're trying to impress people off the ice or, you know, oh, I'm doing extra all the time. And I look at players, a lot of, you know, assistant coaches in the league, I think they waste time after practice with what some of the young guys are doing. Again, some of the drills wow. are absolutely moronic. Some of the drills are moronic. And, you know, I just go back to Ted Green. When I skated under him, when I was an Oilers extra, he skated the living daylights out of me when I wasn't playing. But I'll tell you what, it was pretty simple what we were doing. But when you got on the ice, you were flying and firing. You were ready. And I, I think they, they take too many fancy little drills and, you know, these little toe drags and chuck a puck through a tire and then shoot it. And they're like, to me, that's ridiculous because we'll never see a tire on the ice. And uh, <laughs> I, I just think that you, you keep it simple and, and work your ass off. You can do all that other stuff in the offseason on your own time. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is you've got to have a drive and a work ethic that applies to the game and, and being ready. And, you know, if you're a guy that's a dog and you're a fourth liner and you're not ready to play every night, you're not working hard enough in a warm-up, you're not getting yourself ready, uh, I don't have the time of day for you. Al May joining us right now, Bob Stauffer uh, with Oilers. Now, all right, Al, we had Frank Saravalli on in the first hour, and he said it is way too early. Stanley Cup favorite is the Edmonton Oilers. Um... I mean, they they could have won the series against Vegas. They didn't. The Golden Knights found a way to win. Do you have a way too early pick a month uh, or or seven weeks away from training week, six weeks from training camp, six weeks away from rookie camp? Uh, Do you have a team that right now looks like a, uh, a potential Stanley Cup champ? I don't think it's the Edmonton Oilers like right today. And I, and I still look at their roster and I see some holes that are very important. And it has to go back to the defensemen, uh, the, the group of six or seven that they're going to have. I think they still need to be bolstered uh, in their top four. I think Matthias Ekholm, to me, is their best defenseman. He's ahead of Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse needs to play better and simple, and I think he's more of a second-pair guy. But I think they need another legit first-pairing guy. And not to take anything away from Bouchard, but I I think when I look at the Oilers, uh, if you're if you're trying to protect the lead, and you're you're down, and you know you've got to pull your your goalie, or you're trying to protect the lead. Excuse me, protect the lead. You know who are you putting out there? to keep the puck out of your zone, keep it out of your net, to keep players away from from, from your goaltender so he can see the puck from the perimeter. And I don't think they're there yet. I, I go back and I, I have a feeling now that with getting Ryan Johansson in Colorado, yep. uh, they helped get rid of some of the holes that they had. But they've got some other things that are going on. I like the addition of Miles Wood there, some other players, but they're going to have a problem with Valerie Nikushkin. Whereas, you know, what's that situation going it's to lead cleared. to? It's been cleared. Um, it's been cleared by the league. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I still think that there's some damage there. But their defense, I look at their defense, and their defense is closer than the Oilers. Yeah, that's fair. When I look at the they guys. They've already won. They've already won. 
Yeah. And they, and they understand there's certain elements of their game that they always have to do. So, you know, Ross Colton coming over, Miles O'Connor, Ryan Johansson. Uh, I just think those are really good additions. And, and I'm not sure how much money they have left, but I still think they can shock the world with a couple of different things at their long-term IR situation. So I, I'm going to go right now. It's going to be a toss-up for me. It's going to be Vegas and Colorado. And uh, I don't want to throw Vegas any shade because I threw them enough last season. But they're masters of the salary cap. They figured out that you have to play big. And they've got a lot of guys that understand their roles in their top six. Their bottom six guys understand it. And then you look at their defensemen. They're all pretty big size. They keep you to the outside. And I think going into the season, pretty much everyone is healthy. Uh, you know, And there's also the question of Mark Stone. So I'm probably going to amend. I'm going to say it's Colorado or Vegas, but I'd lean closer to Vegas winning the cup right now. Today. All right, Al, I'm going to give you uh, the $64,000 question. Okay? It's 230 in the morning, Barry Tees has been closed. Which teammate do you want on your right shoulder helping you out in case maybe something goes a little bit haywire? Of all the guys you played well, with along the way. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to go with, uh, it was late night, so cords. I'm going to go with uh, Craig Berube. Because when Craig Berube and I were growing up, he really wasn't that tough until he went away to Williams Lake, British Columbia, and played junior hockey for some animal. And he came back, and he was a completely different dude. He was missing all of his front teeth. He was so different. But he'd been winning tough, going into tough man competitions, and he was skinny. He was a twig. And he, he just became this persona of a badass tough guy. So I'm going to Chief. Uh, late night, post post bar, the bar closing. I'm going to Chief because he's in it right till the end. Awesome stuff. Thanks for joining the show, Al. Take care. Stay uh, stay cool down in Texas. I will do. Take care, man. You bet. That is Alan May. It is 151 in Edmonton. Uh, we'll wrap up this day in order's history when we return. Former Red Deer Rebel Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, we will be down in Red Deer next Tuesday night and Wednesday. Uh, orders now will originate uh, from Red Deer for the Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament. We are looking forward to that. Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated 50 plus years. Everything's real at Royal. You can get a free two liter Coke with a purchase of $35 or more online at Royal Pizza. Uh, .ca or on the Royal Pizza app where the staff recommendations the Mediterranean chicken Brendan's a fan of the Texan. Hmm. August of 2005 we got things settled coming out of the 0405 lockout and it was a good August for Edmonton and this was like the third biggest move in August that year. There are a couple others that were more significant than that. Uh, we go to Listy and Oiters history for New West Travel. Here's where I tell you Brendan how about this? We haven't even started the New West Travel launch campaign technically yet on air on Oilers now. They're already three quarters sold out for uh, Nashville. <laughs> oh, wow. So we've done the live liners, but we haven't gone full bore with the uh, the commercial inventory that's coming up here in the next week or two. Uh, but yeah, uh, they're going to end up buying more spots on the trip, I think. Uh, but you get your opportunity. We did a wraparound in Nashville the last time we had everybody there. It was, I think we ended up with 75 people. Um, the original block is about 40. Uh, and it's three quarters sold out already. October 17th, the Edmonton Oilers are in Nashville, and you can join New West Travel 
and Oilers Now. New West Travel, serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com. We're going to go back to the state 2005. What happened? A local product, uh, Brad Isbister, was traded to Boston for a fourth-round pick in the 2006 entry draft. Uh, Isbister came over with Rafi Torres from the Islanders, spent a year and a half in copper and blue. That uh, pick turned into James Delroy. <laughs> okay. <Ooh. laughs> yeah. Not, you know. There you go. And then the Oilers added Chris Pronger and they added Michael Pekka. So they had a pretty good... Uh, I think that I think those deals were in August for some reason, if I recall correctly, way back in uh, 2005. Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports Night. What's he got, Sheik? Yeah, you'll hear from uh, CFL legend Milt Stiegel on the transpirings with the Edmonton Elks over this season. And then, of course, yesterday, the big move. You'll also hear from uh, former Canadian women's netminder, Gold keeper Stephanie Labe from uh, right round here in these parts and obviously addressing an early exit as well from the Canadian women at the Women's World Cup. Uh, you know how I said uh, the Chris Pronger trade took place in August? It's uh, 17 years ago tomorrow. Sounds there. like we've got our this day in Oilers history. There you go. So. The Edmonton Oilers acquired Chris Pronger for Eric Brewer, Doug Lynch and Jeff Wawitka. Tomorrow uh, Steve Mayer from the NHL about the upcoming Heritage Classic and the growth and development of the Outdoor Classics. Charlie Huddy, recent inductee in the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame. David Staples, Cult of Hockey. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Randy Kilburn, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then The Drive with Ted Hanley. Back at you tomorrow at noon.